Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Welcome to Monday Morning Homeless. This is Father Manny Alvarez. Jorge is somewhere. He is not in today, so filling in is... Hey guys, I it, missed you. It's Izzy Monday, so Woo, we, are, we are ready <laughs> to uh, dive into the scriptures and to have Izzy's take on it, and we're always happy to have Izzy around, and we pray Jorge has a beautiful day wherever he is with his <laughs> lovely wife. And um, here we are. Yesterday we had... A very challenging reading from um, the from Jesus in the gospel, you know, calling out the Pharisees and and telling them, telling his disciples, don't be like them, don't listen to them, you know, don't listen to them, but don't be like them is what he mm-hmm. literally said, and um, then said, don't be called rabbi, don't be called father, don't be called, you know, any of these honorific titles. So this is something we're going to hit head on. And you took notes. You went to the five o'clock mass yesterday. I mean, on Saturday. Saturday. Yes. And so, how you doing? I'm doing great. Um, what struck me from the homily is at the end how Jesus says that called no one earth your father, but you have your father in heaven. Not be called master, but you have one master, the Christ. Um, and it's a reminder how we have um, our fathers, like our our actual fathers, like our dads, who guide us and make us and help us be the human that we are. But then we also have our priests and our community that help us be the better Catholics that help us to reach the heavenly banquet, which is heaven. Um, and it always is a great reminder to always pray for our priests. And I know, I think you mentioned how it's Vocation Awareness. It's Vocation Awareness Weekend. There we go. And I did hit that verse head on, call no one on earth your father, because... It's it's a it's a verse that we get thrown at a lot, especially by our brothers and sisters that are separated, Christians that are separated from us. You know, why do you call your priest father? Well, when when this particular verse in the Bible, in the Gospel of Saint Matthew, says, "Don't do it." Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus isn't speaking literally. Oh, yeah, Father, that's what you would say. You know, what a Catholic <laughs> would say. But I mean, Jesus also said, "Take you know, if, if your eye causes it a sin, pluck it out of your head and throw it into the into the water." Um, if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it, off. chop it off. So what Jesus is trying to guard against is the disciples feeding any sense of superiority, like the Pharisees at the time. And in fact, um, the word father, well, there's evidence in the New Testament of it being used very early on in the Christian community, uh, calling the bishops, calling the priests at the time fathers. And the same thing can be said for rabbi, or which means teacher. We call our professors professors, mm-hmm. you know. You know, you have professors. You call them professor, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's, a, it's a sign of respect. What the the way I explained it was basically this: is that for me, when you, Izzy, or anyone else uh, calls me father, it's humbling. It never in twenty one years of priesthood since I first was called father has never been something that yeah. I'm the father. No, it's to me, it's a challenge. It's a challenge that this is who I am as a priest. This is what I'm called to be. It is a humble reminder that I'm called to be a servant, that I'm called to be a spiritual father, which means that I'm not supposed to lord over you, but that I'm supposed to serve you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a spiritual, it's a, like you said, being a spiritual father for all of us um, in times of need, if God forbid any anything wrong happens, bad happens in our life. Our priests are there for us. They give us confession. And I like how you said um, towards the end of your homily, I wrote it here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, that priest, they bring us the living God to us. They feed, they feed his very word and flesh to us, which if it wasn't for priests, we wouldn't be able to celebrate mass properly because we wouldn't have the Eucharist, which feeds us, obviously. But in the sense that you... Just priests and even tying in with um, sisters as well. It's their your spiritual. I don't know how to describe it. 
I, I guess the spiritual responsibility that we yeah, have that we sometimes take for granted that we might talk bad about our religious saying oh we don't like the way that they we don't like the way we don't like the things that they say they should be doing something else like the way they act but you said it yourself you you're going to be more judged harshly than yeah. the rest of us well and that's when yeah. you when you when you said that i was like wow that, well, it's that's something, intense. It's something the Pope said last week when he introduced, um, he released a video introduced on Tuesday of last week in, um, introducing the prayer intention for November, which is to pray for him. Who needs our prayers? My goodness. Yep. And then he said, pray for me. And for all bishops, he didn't say priests, but because we'll be judged more harshly. In fact, when a Pope dies, nine masses are automatically celebrated. Everybody in the world, really? not just in the Vatican. Oh, We're supposed that. to celebrate nine masses because... Uh, if you've never seen the shoes of the fisherman, and and we could, we'll, we'll get into that. Oh, okay. That's a good movie. In, in other words, it's it, it, they explain how what happens, you know, when a pope dies and when a pope is elected. It's a beautiful movie uh, with with um, Anth- uh, not Anthony Hopkins. Um, <laughs> no, not, Anthony Hopkins played a pope in a in in another movie. Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting the name of um, he was he, right. anyways, but um, it's a magnificent movie, Shoes of the Fisherman. And, uh, and basically, they, they do. It's it's about a pope in the mid you know mid sixties like during the during a nuclear age, mm-hmm. and they go into great detail explaining what happens when a pope when when a pope dies and um, uh, when a pope is elected. What happened? Anthony Quinn. I don't know. Now it came <laughs> to me. Sorry. And um, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful a little long, but it's uh but it's a beautiful movie. So the Pope has nine masses off for them. You know, we pray a lot for priests when they pass away. We yeah. Because, yes, we will be judged harshly. The Pope mentioned that last week because we do need uh, your prayers. And I and I said it yesterday, yesterday when I did the 530 Mass about how much, you know, priests need our prayers. Uh, going back to the whole, the verse of call no one on earth your father, as I said earlier, of uh, for me, the title Father, like I said, it's never made me feel superior, but rather been challenged and a reminder of the incredible responsibility that, that the good Lord has given me to be in, in, in calling me to be a priest. And it's a challenge to be humble, to be selfless, to be a servant above all else. Jesus reminds us in the gospel, the greatest among you must be your servant. And he reminds us also in yesterday's gospel that as a priest, you know, I have to humble myself, and that was something that you've been in ordination, is he? That when mm-hmm. the when the, the soon to be priests are like prostrate on on the cathedral floor, you know, and they're just with their head bowed down and and just lying there, face down on the cathedral floor, saying that we're nothing, that we depend totally on God, and that we depend also on the people of God because we are lifted up by your prayers. We feel mm-hmm. your prayers because there's days that we think. Well, we can't make it through this day, and you know, been many of those lately, and and we feel the prayers of the people of God, and so I said, you know, so when you think of that, I said, you know, think of your spiritual heroes, and think of the priests who have made a difference in your life, and I believe you had the same answer that Monica had when I asked her, <laughs> you know, when I went my altar service, precocious as she is, I'll. She just turned. About to turn eighteen. Yes. And um, <laughs> and she, and so I asked her, you know, in the sacristy, and I go, I already know who was who, what I was going to say. I said, all right, Monica, who you know, we're about five minutes from mass, and I'm we're best, you know, I'm vested there, and I'm just talking to her. I said, Monica, who's your spiritual? Who who do you look look up to? You know, as a priest mentor, as a priest hero, and then she's there like a little nervous because I don't have to say you, right? <laughs> And I'm and I'm like no I don't I'm not expecting you to say me, and then she's mentioned someone you mentioned mm-hmm. Father Philip Tron. What yeah. a great priest! So explain to us and, and and I have to preface this by saying that when I was vocation director I recruited him. I knew what, you were going to say this. Why? It's funny. I have to take credit for this, man. <laughs> you he's have one to of my. Take yeah, man, I'm proud of Philip. I'm proud of what he's done. I'm proud of the work he did at the U and the work mm-hmm. he did at Saint Augustine, work he did here. And the work he's doing now, uh, he's right now a, a priest of the Diocese of Beaumont, Texas. Yeehaw. And he's there and and helping Bishop David Toops out. And and it's a very small diocese, not many Catholics there. 
and he's in charge of not one but two parishes. Sure. But so I, I asked her, and I, as I'm asking you now, is he, what was it about Father Tron in the brief time that he was here that, that he made such an impact on you? Here in Little Flower, it wasn't, I didn't make the connection, the, the friendship here, but it was when I started going to the U Catholic group, mm-hmm. and that's when I started lecturing and serving as a Eucharistic minister. So there were two summers that it was it was just me, a one woman show sometimes. <laughs> and he would always he would always be there for me. His confessions were amazing and he's just a a, a priest that there, there there there's so many there's obviously so many great priests, but there's sometimes a priest that you see him like wow, like that he he really said yes. And it's not because obviously priests and religious too say yes because they call, they get the call from God. But it's it's like a he really loves God. Obviously all priests do, but it's just something that I've always seen. Like he's he's always been when he used to give his homilies here at Little Flower. It's like wow he he always gave a lot of wisdom and a lot of inspiration and was there for me when difficult times, and I'm grateful for that. And so many priests have been there. I think of different priests during high school, during my time at Encuentros, here at Little Flower, and just throughout my whole life that I might not talk to them as much anymore. Same with Father Chon. I haven't reached That's out to That's why you him. haven't talked to me in the last two years? I'm kidding. <laughs> but I haven't talked to Father Chon in a long time, and I can admit it, but he was there for me in, in, in important parts of my life that no one else was. Well, And I'm See, grateful. And, and and with with Father with Father Tron, it's, it's a lot... You know, I saw his, I see what he did in, in the early days of his priesthood. And I think back on my early priesthood and the, and the gift that he has, the gift that I no longer have, which is the <laughs> gift of youth. So um, you're, I guess you're able to, to connect with, with young people at, in, a, in a more impactful level. Uh, I think that, you know, even, but even talking to adults and a, a lot of adults who ask me about him, How's, have you heard from Father Tron? How's he doing? I don't know if he's, he's still active. Like, he's just a great guy. He's, he's amazing. I don't, know if he's, I don't know if he's still active on Instagram. He used to be. He not so much anymore. Yeah, see, that's something that all of our priests, you know, we realize it's a waste of our time. And um, <laughs> there's better things to do. But I know that, that like, for example, when he was a youth Catholic, he he spent a summer in Alaska helping out there because, you know, there's there's a shortage of priests up there. And, and he's just a wonder, wonderful figure. <laughs> And that's and that's just one. And in fact, when I when I mentioned that in my homily, um, one of our, one of our oldest parishioners was at that mass, and and she was talking, about, "Oh, Father, I, I could have we, we could have talked about so many priests who have been through this parish." <laughs> and this is a woman who received her first communion from Monsignor Cumber, and oh, wow, and so uh, our founding pastor. So that's something that when you hear stories like that, and I and I said that during the homily, think about the priests. Who prepared you for your, or and gave you first communion? The priest who prepared you for marriage, the priest who made an impact in your life. Because when we're going through the spiritual life, you know, see, Jesus tells us, "I will not leave you orphans." Okay, so he gives us obviously the gift of the Eucharist, and he gives us priests to be able to feed us the Eucharist. And I talked about me, even as a priest, the priests who make an impact on my life and still mm-hmm. make an impact in my life. So. You know, I talked about Bishop Roman, who I know you you didn't know very well because you were you were younger when when he passed away uh, th- eleven years eleven years ago. You know, Bishop Roman, whose whose pictures you know sits over over you know pretty much over my desk behind my shoulder, a mm-hmm. uh, saintly man who kicked out of his country in Cuba was put on a boat, nothing but his prayer book, and you know I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll come back soon, and he never did. Went to Spain, was put on a boat, was sent to Spain, and then from Spain he went to you know, mission trip. You know, did mission work for several years down in, in Chile with with indigenous people, and then eventually came back, came here to Miami, and and obviously built the shrine of Our Lady of Charity, and and just did powerful work, and was a model of sanctity, and and that's the and I think that's the common denominator. Last week we celebrated All Saints All Saints Day, and I believe the common denominator. In the priest that I aspire to be like, or the priest that inspire me, was their level of sanctity, that they live holy lives, and, that, and that's one thing. When you pray for your priest, pray for 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 your priest to be holy. 
And that's so important. Pray that we that we, you know, embody and personify the mystery that we celebrate every day, which is the mystery of the Eucharist, that we are able to be the person of Christ because we are acting in the person <laughs> of Christ, which is a which is a big challenge. So that's you know the at least one of the examples I mentioned in my homily, and, that, and I know you have other notes that you want to share. Um, what else did you say? Well, when you we were talking about your three priests, I mm-hmm. also wrote about the three priests that have impacted. So one of them was Father Tron. One mm-hmm. of them is you. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. But number one is Father Pat Angelucci, who is a right. Salesian of Don Bosco, and he gave he baptized me. He came. He flew down for my first communion. Flew down for my confirmation. Um, but flew, he's been flew down for your parents' fiftieth. Flew down for my parents' fiftieth anniversary, and he's just been there through every part of our lives. Um, he he was there when my mom lost her son, and it was hard when he had to. He when he got the call from, hey, you're going from Miami to New York, and it was it was hard for us as a family because he was always there. And we How much still, time did he spend in LaSalle? Uh, all through the 90s, okay. I want to say. From when Melly entered LaSalle, I think 92. And then he left, I think, 99-ish, mm-hmm. something around there. So basically all the 90s, he was there at Principal at LaSalle. And um, he is Don Bosco. I remember as a little girl, <laughs> I, I, I really thought that man was St. Don Bosco for the longest time. Why am I crying? That's what Salesian inspired me. But you bring up an interesting point, and yeah. I want to ask you this question because I can't answer it. Mm-hmm. Because this happens to our people so often. Uh, you talked about how how much it hurt when he was transferred out of LaSalle and had to go up to New York. And that's happened to you with, with, with Father Tron. At some point, I don't want you to think about it, but at some point it's going to happen to me. <laughs> yeah, there she goes. She's, cry- she's crying, people. Made her cry. But no, but, but how... How do you, how, and this is, you know, how do you cope? How do you deal with, you know, when somebody says, are we taking your spiritual father and so you could go serve another people? Because it happened to my last parish before I came here, and I'm, I'm vamping because Izzy's collecting herself, and she's laughing now, and uh, and I don't, I don't have any tissue in the studio. Oh, I do. I think oh, I have some you, in first. Okay, we, we don't need it. You're, you're fine now. I'm fine now. So, so the question is, so how how is it that your family how and how do you cope? Um, yeah, the first few weeks are rough because you don't have that spiritual father to talk to. And, and, and it hits you in your face because you go up to mass. I go, wait, father so and so is not there. <laughs> He's not here. Um, I don't know. It's like how you said they're serving other people that I know need him or yeah, need him in this case, priest more than I do. And that's what I think. Right. Um, and you you pray for them. And that's the that's all you can do, and it's um, remembering and, all the advice and the spiritual direction that they gave you, and it is hard. And also, you you don't it is allow difficult. yourself to be surprised by God that, that mm-hmm. the new priest sent to you exactly has something new to teach. You. There's there's been times that I I it takes me a while to open up to open myself. I'm an open book. That's one thing. If anyone yeah, it didn't knows take me. you long with me, Kayla. Yeah, I'm just saying. But spiritual direction is like opening myself to a priest saying, like, this is what I struggle with. These are the sins that I I need help with, Father. That's something that it, it takes a while. Even for me in confession, it's like it, I it's weird, but it, I pray that I can allow myself to share what I need help with and for a priest to guide me in the right direction. Because I know they will. Now it's just up to myself saying, hey, you need to ask for forgiveness, but really advice as well on what to do with your life because you're going down a spiral. That's an example I had in my head right now. Right. Not going down a spiral right now, but in the past. So I, I asked you a question that I couldn't answer, and I'm going to answer a question that you can't answer. Well, what, how does the priest feel? You said, well, Father Pat, you know, it was hard for him to, to leave LaSalle and go to New York. I've been trying, you know, Jorge and I, and I are always making light of this, and or at least Father Andrew does a, a lot, that I've been transferred eight times uh, in 21 years of priesthood. You know, let, let's subtract the four. Eight? Yeah, eight times. So, I mean, seven parishes, but eight assignments. And it is extraordinarily difficult for a priest <laughs> to to let go 
of the flock that he knows. You know, sometimes they get a little too comfortable, and I, and that's dangerous for a priest. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know we we because when you get comfortable, you get a little lazy in your in your ministry, and and sometimes the Holy Spirit say, "No, I, I I don't want you here. I want you there," and you're and and he does that through the archbishop, and you have to trust the archbishop and say mm-hmm. that saying that. Okay, where you're going is where God wants you to be at that moment. You know, even though every fiber, you're, and, and and the only you know, I'll, I'll draw from my my most recent experience when I was transferred out of Immaculate Conception to come here. You know, as soon as the Archbishop's name appeared on my phone, I'm like, <laughs> oh man, here we go. And God bless the Archbishop. He goes, oh, I'm calling to you know, I'm calling to uproot your life again. I go, yeah, Archbishop, I'm used to it, you know. And uh, and I'm, I go, just, just tell me where I'm going and, and you know, my just, over, just get over with Yeah, just, so it was hard because the thing is that that was the, where I was at, when I was at Immaculate, it was the longest I had spent in a parish, my longest assignment, two weeks shy of five years. And, you know, I had developed such a close relation with so many people and, was you know trying to bring up that church and trying to build it up and trying to you know like I have in every parish you know mm-hmm. trying to bring the, the the word of God and the and the presence of God to these people and then having this extraordinary community and and so many friends and saying wow even though I'm still very much in touch it's not the same thing as being there and seeing them and sharing the intimacy of the Eucharist. Let me repeat that the intimacy of the Eucharist, because there's 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 nothing better than we can share, and nothing better that we can do together as a family than sharing the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So, have, not being able to see them every Sunday, not being able to see you know the kids that I you know from my school who I've who I'd seen growing up, grown up over five years. You know, yesterday one of my little cousins who was in in um in the school. Who I, I don't see anymore, you know. Also, she's moved also, but uh, her her mom has moved also to somewhere else. But I saw her yesterday, and she's so grown. You know, she she was like six years old last time I saw her. Now she's eleven, <laughs> and and uh, and I see her, and and I'm like, I miss seeing you every day. She has mm-hmm. she's beautiful, just angelic face and beautiful, you know, green eyes. And I don't know where she got them because we don't have green <laughs> eyes in my in our family. No, it's from her father's side, but. You know, it's just just that that um that closeness mm-hmm. that you feel, and I always tell the people, you know, you all stay together, the priestly, <laughs> and you all stay, and you could you could console each other. The priest leaves by himself, okay? We leave by ourselves to go meet a new family that we don't know, but that's part of the journey. That's part of. You know, of our lives, and and we and when we lie down on that floor during that ordination, you know, right before we do that, we pledge obedience to the bishop and say, "Okay, this is where I'm, where what I'm doing." I, the bishop asks us, "Do you promise obedience to me and my successors?" We say yes, and and I always say it. It's harder than celibacy because it's obedience not only in, in like answering the call to say. Okay, you're going from parish A to parish B, mm-hmm. but obedience in so many things. And I also say this: it's obedience to you, to the people of God. Because <clears throat> when the phone rings in the middle of the night, we have to answer it and go, you know, be with a family who's suffering or be with someone, a sick person who's dying. When somebody asks for confession, hear mm-hmm. the confession. When somebody asks for anything, sit down and and that. Is being obedient, being obedient to God, because yeah, I could say, yeah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> don't feel like it today. How many days I wake up and go, don't feel like doing this today, but you have, have to, to do it, mm-hmm. and you have to draw strength from the Lord and from our Blessed Mother and from the, you know, and say, help me to get through this day. Help me to get through, you know, whatever it is that we're going through, because we're human. You know, we and as. All of you who are listening are very much aware. We're human. We're flawed human beings. But it's God who uses sometimes those flaws for his greater glory and and perfects us as we go along the journey, which is why I emphasize the aspect of spiritual fatherhood and, and spiritual heroes because you look at these men who are also flawed human beings, mm-hmm. but yet were able to 
inspire me to become a priest, who were able to inspire me to to seek out holiness of life, which I fall short of every single day. <laughs> and to some and to some measure, to be able to draw from them, you know what, this is what you know, I, I look at people like John Paul II, and whenever I'm in a spiritual rut, I pick up his book, Gift and Mystery, where he talks about his vocation. And I and I draw inspiration from that. You know, mm-hmm. you and I, every time we go for the March for Life, we go to the John Paul II shrine, and we go through the museum, and when the, you know, the first thing that you, when you do when you go through the tour of the museum is they, is, is they show a brief eight-minute mm-hmm. film, and when you hear his voice... Oh. You know, you, you were too young I was. to to remember that voice. But for us who grew up with that voice, who was the voice of the Father, who was the voice, voice of authority for the church, and you hear that voice, and you're and, and I remember it was I think it was two years ago. No, was it wasn't it was two years ago, it was COVID. But I, I want to say it was twenty twenty. We went in twenty twenty. Yes, we did. Um, because last year was the first time we came back after COVID. But I remember when we went in 2020, when we walked into that dark theater, and I was—I remember I was standing with you know back to the wall, you know, so all the kids could sit down in front of me and, and listen to this film because for for people of your generation, you know, you don't have the knowledge of John Paul II as being an everyday person mm-hmm. like say, like Pope Francis, like we did, and so as soon as the lights came down and you hear the Father, be not afraid, <laughs> you know, I started bawling. Because I missed that spiritual figure, just like I missed Benedict and hearing that tender voice of Benedict, and even the even the voice of of Pope Francis, especially when he speaks Spanish. That video that I was talking about, <laughs> where he's asking for prayers, when he speaks in that in that wonderful Argentinian accent, you know, for for us, you know, having a Pope who speaks our language, you know, not that. It, Benedict and, and John Paul spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. but a native Spanish speaker and speaking in his first his first tongue, that's important. So you hear the voice of father, the father so clearly, and that's where all of this ends up. When he says, "No one, you know, you have one Father in heaven," in that we priests, and I wrote about this in the bulletin, that at the end of the day, we're called to be Father. We're called to be like our father. I wrote, when I am addressed as father, I am reminded that I am a flawed human being who has been called by God to this extraordinary vocation of being a priest. I know I have a lot to go when it comes to being a reflection of our father in heaven, and there are days where priesthood is a joyful struggle as you try to make the word of God come alive for people distracted by the world. It is difficult, but there is no greater life, and it is your prayers that sustain us. We tend to forget that at Mass, when the priest says, this is my body which will be given up for you. He is not simply repeating the words of Christ or dramatically reenacting them. He is acting in the person of Christ and offering his own life as Christ did for the people he's about to feed. He is offering the priest is offering his own body and blood for the salvation of all. That and that's n- so cool when you when you hear it out loud. I don't know. It got me emotional. I'm not crying. <laughs> but it, it like you said, I think I wrote something about that having greater appreciation for our priests because with like I said earlier, without them we wouldn't be able to have mass. I just broke my brain. Sorry. <laughs> Go on. Uh you said something else. Oh, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit to be cho- and you were chosen by God mm-hmm. anointed with the Holy Spirit. Um not many people say yes to that. I can I can imagine how many people were at your ordin like how well, how many men were in your ordination Seven. class? And how many did you start off with? Well, that's di- it, it, it's tricky because. But some of them did leave. Right. No, and even some that were ordained with me left have left. So there was. It's tricky because that my class was kind of like a hodgepodge. We had two men who were studying in Rome, whose the 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 ad- academic track is different there, so they were added to my track. There were originally four of us. And even in those four, two came in during my senior year of, of college, of seminary, and one of them came in during my first year of theology. The So to answer your question, okay, there were my freshman class at St. John Vianney College Seminary, there were, seminary, there were 17 of us, okay? 
throughout from this, the entire state of Florida. There were 17 of us. Mm-hmm. Out of those 17, uh, let me think. You can take you know, that one out. How many do you think were, were left standing? Um, five? Kind of gave the answer already. Four? No. Two? No. I didn't hear you. <laughs> you were, you're looking at them. What? That's it. That was the only one. That, made it, that only went that went through four years of seminary in college and then four, five years of graduate school in seminary, and you know, and, and there were three of us who were from Miami. The rest were from from um, what do you call it? The rest were from the rest of the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And it, just a reminder that seminary is hard, mm-hmm. and that while at a certain point in your life you may feel like you're called to be a priest, and Hori could speak to that. Mm-hmm. You know, God may be calling you in a different direction, and it's not because anything they did wrong or anything that you know. That 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 was a mistake. Yes. It's just that, you know, and sometimes I wonder, you know, I, I and I said that on Saturday or even or yesterday, I don't remember. One of the homilies I said it. It's like, you know, I still even after twenty one years of priesthood, I stand behind that altar. I'm like, I go, how on earth did God call <laughs> me this you useless servant <laughs> to stand up here to feed the people of God? And I and, and the thing is we said and I know it's a little self-deprecating, but it's something that I can't let go of because you can fall into what Jesus is warning about in the gospel, into that Phariseeism, and that, you know, I am the priest and you are not. Mm-hmm. And so I look to these models of holiness around me to 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 draw inspiration from them to say, you know what, I don't have everything figured out. You know, sometimes it may look like I have it figured out. Trust me, I don't. <laughs> because I am very much aware that he is God. I'm looking at the crucifix here on the, in the studio. He is God and I am not. But then you look at the crucifix and say, okay, see, that's what I have to do. You lay down your life for your friends. It was the gospel of my ordination. And I read it so many times at weddings. It applies to marriages as well. And so... To turn it back to you is like, okay, you look at these spiritual fathers that made an impact in your life, and you realize, wow, where would we be? And even me as a priest, where would I be without the priest? Because like, for a priest, for me, I go, the children are always asking, Father, who do you go to confession with? You have to go to a bishop, you have to go to the Pope? I go, no. And I I go, no, I I just go go to other priests. By the way, that line that I said, and I just grab whoever's available except for Father Andrew. That they everybody got a kick out of that. I don't know why. Because you said except for Father Andrew, and then you pa- you pause just because he's my parochial vicar. Yeah, like, like that's the reason, not because yeah, he's Father not ready. Andrew. He, he's a young priest. He's not ready. He's not ready for my level of craziness. So, but um, but yeah, but it it is humbling as as a priest to, you know, to say you know what. I also need to kneel down before a, a brother priest and ask for forgiveness and be in tune with uh, with my sinfulness and, and, and say, this is what I've done wrong. This is how I failed not only God, but failed the people of God. Because remember, it, and it's not just me, because it, it, it applies to everybody. I always say communion has a, so, confession has a social dimension. Sin has a social dimension because we're not only sitting against God, but we're sitting against the church. Because when mm-hmm. we sin, even if it's a private sin that nobody knows about, we we basically divorce ourselves from communion of the church, which affects the church, whether we know it or not. So spiritual heroes, spiritual fatherhood. You know, what else did you write in that beautiful journal of yours? Uh, let me reread. Um... I think I got this part wrong, but it was part from the gospel that if we are humbled, we when will whoever humbles us, himself will be exalted. exalted. Whoever whoever exalts will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah. What does that mean? That's very important because, you know, again going back to the Pharisees, you know they love places of honor, in banquets. They love being. They love greetings and salutations mm-hmm. in the temple in the marketplace. Let it not be so with you, because they are exalting themselves. Look at me, I'm a Pharisee. Oh, okay. You know, they, they dress like, and they demand to be called rabbi, and they go, doesn't want to have, no, can't be with you. Because so, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Okay. So it's like, okay, if you think you're all, you think you're all that in a bag of chips, God's going <laughs> to bring you down. 
or life will bring you down. How many people do you know who think they're all that? <laughs> okay, and she's laughing. And she could probably rattle out people, which she won't do on air. I won't. Okay. It's going in my head. Okay. <laughs> and then they are brought down. And then... That's also happened to me at times. I, I think every person mm-hmm. goes through that yeah, motion. Yeah, it happens, happens to me almost every day. <laughs> that you think you're all high and mighty, but then you realize, or someone tells you, hey, you're not. And it is it is a very humbling experience when someone tells you, hey, you're not. Right. And you think you're right, but... It's it's a lesson that we all need to learn. Not even just not for I would I would want to say our social status, like our life here, like as a human being, but also as being a son and daughter of the Lord. That we do have to stand up for what's right, but do it in a way that it's reflecting. Didn't you say that about our actions, or am I thinking about another homily? Oh dear, she's she's going back in the reservoir. Here we go. Something I saw. Oh, it was all it was all Saints Day Mass. Uh-huh. Um, I went to Saint Augustine and I had um, Father Vigoa gave the mass, and he says he that our actions have to reflect that we are followers of Christ. Right. And he said the, he asked a question. He at, he told us to ask ourselves a question: Is is our life reflecting our love for Jesus Christ? And it's absolutely. It's it's hard to do that. It it is. It is very very hard, and I think now and more now it's it's getting harder with everything that's going on in the world, but also just in your own life. That I know some people have families that aren't practicing Catholics like them, and they tell me like I want to bring my parents back to the church, or I want my siblings, and even here when I was here at working at Saint Teresa, it you all the only thing I want I think you can testify to and any priest and any religious can say you want this child to have that relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus Christ they might not know it that hey that's Jesus Christ working through them like that's Jesus Christ giving them the advice and they think it might be something else I don't know it's happened countless of times and and it, and it's it's a blessing that your sister had with her father, having father pat around mm-hmm. when she was at La Salle. When you went to LaSalle, you only had the sisters only because sisters. the priest pulled out in 2005. And and that's why for me it's so important, you know, to be in the school every day, to mm-hmm. be a presence for the kids every day. <laughs> you know who said that? Who said I'm going to start crying. Miss um, Franco, I want to say, yeah. uh, with 20, when I started working, so 2021, she told me, she's like, listen, Father Davis started this, that he would come and visit every recess but Father Manny does it every day, and I think it's such a beautiful thing that he does that so that the kids can see that the priests are here for them too. Because you sometimes as a child, I always saw our, my priests, so our, our, the pastors I grew up with was Father Dennison and Father Davis. I always saw them at, just at Mass and sometimes at school. But now you see you, see you I, see, I used to see you, and you still go to the school, Father Andrew does, and it's being with the kids and with the teachers as well, because mm-hmm. we are one community. We're right. not just school and church. You're, you're here for everyone, and it's it's beautiful that that we are able to grow up. I was able to grow up with the Carmelites here at Saint Teresa, and then the Salesian sisters at La Salle, and then back working here with the Carmelites, and now getting to know our priests more. It's it's been a blessing, and like my mom always says, we've been we've been what's the word um. What's the word? Like when you give too much, spoiled. Mm-hmm. Like we've been spoiled in a good way with Great. all the beautiful, beautiful holy men and women here. And I'm not going to start crying. There you go. She's off again. <laughs> Anyhow, so what we invite you to do is is think about, and I said this in the homily yesterday, think about the priests who have made a difference in your life and pray for priests and pray for mm-hmm. vocation, especially during this Vocation Awareness Week because, you know, every single one of us you know, myself included, when we are in dire straits, we turn to a priest. We turn to someone who God has chosen to be there for us and to be the presence of Christ in our world, which is why we need prayers, because that is extraordinarily difficult. And we fall short so many times. You know, I I kick myself over and over and over again for the times that I haven't been able to be Jesus Christ to somebody else. Whenever, Whenever I've had to... You know, sometimes as a, as a father, you have to 
correct someone or, or you know and, and sometimes you know that correction is done a little with with a little heavy hand and then and, and, and that's something that that I I think I can think back on concrete examples that I still regret to this day but you mm-hmm. learn from them and, and you try to be the best priest you can to the people that you you're called to serve and you're called to lay you down your life for every day so pray for them and when it comes to you know when you're doing that exercise and thinking about the priest and thinking about the priest who gave you communion or, or prepared you for confirmation or married you or baptized you and it have been that presence in your life you know draw from that what jesus is talking about in the gospel you know are they were fathers in your life and they were examples of christ in your life and that you have to be that example as well because and and to and they should be humble examples of that because at the end of the day and i was with i was with some former students on friday because one of them got married and i saw so many <laughs> former students that i hadn't seen them in ages and it's the last thing we were talking about instagram earlier and how father tron and i are not as as active as as we once were but the last thing that i posted on instagram was i believe It'll be it'll be five years now in January. The last time I posted something on Instagram, yikes! Um, not yikes. Thanks be to God. <laughs> there was uh, this quote that I got from the rector of the seminary five years ago from a, from a French priest. It said, "The priest should be no more than a meeting place, a beautiful yet brief one, because all who are gathered there must be led not to the priest himself, but to Christ, who alone is the point of all." I think I just destroyed everything I said in the podcast in the last 40 <laughs> minutes. No, that's not true. But that's what we're supposed to do. It's not about us. It's about pointing you towards the source of all life, who is Jesus Christ. So pray for your priests, pray for vocations, and remember whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let us give thanks to God for those who are our spiritual fathers. All right, we're not talking about sports today because there's absolutely nothing good to talk about sports. Izzy's here laughing hysterically because I just played the Siskel and Ebert theme song. And she's laughing because of this 80s sax that was just blared over no, the air. I, I didn't expect that, honestly. Of course no one expects. No expe- everybody expects a sports segment here, but we will not talk about the Dolphins. You were at a German uh, uh, German restaurant yesterday to watch the Dolphin mm-hmm. game. And fun we was that. Yes, I am. I am aware of that. Oh, and Taylor have... Swift wasn't there at the game. Oh, great! Because people don't know that she starts her South American tour this Thursday in Buenos Aires. So I wish she'd go to Germany then to start her tour again this Thursday. Oh, you know, no one cares. Okay, it? I'm just saying. No one cares. I'm. Ju- I'm just saying. So instead of that, you know, we, we touched briefly upon it when I mentioned the shoes of the fisherman in the first segment. I go, you know what? And I had thought about this. Mm. Izzy and I are going to do a little exercise here. No. This is going to be very entertaining. No. Okay. I want to go I, first. I told Izzy, write down five movies that she thinks I haven't seen but that I should see. And I'm going to write down five movies that I think she hasn't seen that she should see. So she's going to go first because I am sure she wrote down gir- girly movies. And I may surprise her. Who knows? I doubt it. But So she is going to do that. And then I'm going to do that. And this should be funny. And if it's not, then I'm going to wipe this off the, I'm going to wipe this out. I'm going to call Ashley and do a sports (laughs) segment. But here we go. So my top one, which is one of my favorite Disney movies growing up, Cadet Kelly, starring Hilary Duff. No, I've never seen a Hilary Duff movie. Huh? No. Oh, wait. So now my second can be. Wait, no, that's not true. That's not true. I have seen Hilary Duff movie. I saw, uh, what's the one with Steve Martin with all the kids? Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, that's a good one. I did see it. Yeah. Um, Okay. Oh, you haven't what? even seen Lizzie McGuire when she goes no. to Italy? Oh, so good. No. Okay, that's the one on Disney. Oh, this one, I'm pretty sure you've seen because it came out in 99, 10 Things I Hate About You. No, never, actually You're never kidding. seen it. Well, You're Ledger, kidding. Yep, never seen it. You were watching it. Yeah, well, okay. It is one of my favorite and it's, movies. And it, do you, all right, but he, I, I'll, so I will watch it if you tell me what it, what Shakespearean play it's based on. See, even that I know. This is with Julia Stiles yes, and Heath yes, Ledger. Yes, yes. Uh, Come on. It's not Romeo and Juliet. No. Mac- no, it's not no. Macbeth. That's all I know about Shakespeare. Were you not edu- Sal. 
<laughs> you cut that off. Well, the yeah, Taming too. of the Shrew. The what? That's the name. You don't know that you've never heard of that chick. That is the first time I ever hear that. My goodness, I'm 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 about Catholic education needs to get better in this. They really do. Uh, we were talking about that with an old an old math teacher. My I, like, yeah. We we need to get better in high but, school because I was. But challenged. I remember reading this in high school. Okay. I asked I asked my five thirty math teacher. I mentioned I quoted Catcher in the Rye at some point, and I oh I know at, that one. Thank never you. Read it. Good book. <laughs> I, we, we're not doing books. We're doing movies. But I'm just saying. I looked. I looked at one of my high school students. You read Catcher in the Rye? She's a senior. She's like, no. I'm like, I read that in night. I read that in I don't know ninth grade. I read that. I think it was one of my summer reading books. Okay. That I could have Which you never about. got around to reading. No. Shame on you. I'm sorry. All right. So that we've got. All right. So like two. So, two so we've got two, and I've, I'm over yes. two now. Um, number three. So number three. Um, I didn't even see it until after I heard their album. I was babysitting George's kids. And Lexi says, can you play, sing two, like the album? No, I haven't seen it. I'm like, Lexi, what? And I played it, and it's a really great soundtrack. And then I saw the movie. But is the soundtrack good or it's a movie? Both. Good? Okay. So amazing. Right. So sing two. Okay. Uh, you should see sing one first, but sing two is superior. Did you see sing one before you saw sing Yes, two? I did. Yes, I did. Can't believe I'm talking about this. But go ahead. Exactly. I'm. So, that's and why I said. And if you're I still said. listening, Scott bless you. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to save the best one for last because I know you definitely won't see that one anytime soon. The next one is a Netflix original called Holiday in with, um what's her name? With what's her name? What's her name? Uh, Emma. Emma, Emma Stone. Emma, not Emma Roberts. Um, Emma I think Stone. it's Emma Roberts. I'm I'm pretty sure it's Emma, Emma Roberts from from Scream Scream Queens. Yes, Emma Roberts. So yeah. Holiday, really cute movie. When did that come out? It came out in 2020. It's a Christmas movie. She gets tired of everyone asking her, like her family asking, her, "Hey, why don't you bring a date? Why don't you bring someone for Thanksgiving and Christmas?" She sees a guy at the mall. He has the same dilemma. They're like, "Oh, okay, let's play each other's date." So every big holiday celebration they're together interesting and then obviously they fall in love all right if number five is the heiress tour movie i'm going to be really disappointed no but you're close no it's taylor swift miss americana on netflix the only taylor swift song i mean movie that i that i've seen or at least that with her in it was valentine's day valentine's day that's a really oh so you've seen that one i have and i also saw new year's day okay new year's eve okay my other question follow-up you've you've seen the proposal no with Sandra Wait, no, yes, yes, I have, of course, yes. With Sandra Bullock and <sighs> Ryan Reynolds. Die, I was about to die. That was a great um, movie, yeah. Okay. Um, Only seen it once. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I forgot about that one. Uh, I feel like you... I feel Kate, like you, uh, you're, you're, Kate you're, Hudson. You're, I mean, is that what her? is the base, best Kate Hudson movie? There's only one right answer. She was nominated for an Oscar for it. Come on. I don't know. I should have wrote this down on my list, but no, I didn't. Almost I, Famous from 23 years ago. You would I've love that movie. It's about rock and roll. Never seen it. Very, very good movie. Add it to your list. Why well, should? Well, there you go. I'm gonna take one. I'm gonna take one of them out, and that's one. Almost famous. Okay, fine. With uh, with Kate Hudson, that she was 19 years old when she made that. No way. Should have won the Oscar. All right. So I'm gonna start off with two 80s movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think you've seen the first one, The mm-hmm. Goonies. No. No. I'm pretty sure you told me you had. I've never seen The Goonies. That is like such a great movie. I'm sorry. Come on. Sorry. All right. Sorry. This one is for for Nana and Carly who are listening. The movie Clue, also from the 80s. I want to say I've seen it. What is it about? No idea. So then when you haven't seen it. But I feel like I've heard of it. It's a, it's based on what? Mystery. Yes, it's mystery and murder. I feel like channeling Michael Scott in the, in the Office episode. There's been a murder. The yeah, Clue. No, it's a funny, it. funny movie. Okay, I'll, I'll watch it. All right, so... My goodness. Okay. <laughs> now, the third one, I'll be very disappointed. I think it's an all-time classic. Mm-hmm. Released in the early 80s. E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Yes, I've seen okay. it. Okay. Oh, only one. I've seen it. Okay. Long ago. Baby. But it's a magnificent movie. Sure. You cried like crazy at the end. No. What? It's creepy. Why is it e. creepy? E.T. is creepy looking. Yes, that's the whole point. He's an alien. Mm. And he was a- Okay, fine. I did cry when he leaves- we, then they're looking I, at him I still and can't like, watch that movie without crying. Seriously? I was seven, six, seven years old when it came out, and I saw that movie seven, six times in the movie theater when it came out. Mm. We didn't have VHS back I've, then. I've watched it. I think I watched it the first time. I remember when I was little. I was like eight or nine, and then I watched it again when I was in middle school, and that was the last time I ever saw it. Right, so how, how many is that? I think I've given That's you three. Three? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cinema Paradiso. Huh? Exactly. I just... Quote an Italian movie. 
Best foreign film of all time. What's it called? Cinema, Cinema. Paradiso. <laughs> Best foreign film of all time, 1989. It is. It has everything. It's had romance. It 1989 has, was the year that Taylor Swift. Thank you, Izzy. <laughs> oh my goodness! Seriously, if you're still listening to us, props. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if this will air. Wait, but, wasn't that the year that the UM? Won something. They won a national championship. See? I know that. Where's the UM flag? It's right there. It's right next to you. Let's see. Making them proud. Okay. All right. So, you know, Serum Parties has everything. It has romance. It has drama. It has great comedy. It is just a stellar work of art. My favorite foreign film of all time. Okay. Bar none. It's an Italian. And it, it won the Oscar for best foreign film in 90 or 91. I forget. It was released in 89 in, in Italy. And and for no other reason, when I tr- I attempted many times to learn Italian, Italian I can't because you can't really learn a language unless you practice it. And and, and main reasons to be able to watch. Do it you only subtitles. know English and Spanish? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Not even like a little bit of any another language. No. I mean a little bit of Italian, yes. But very very. I mean, I took the Rosetta Stone, but if you don't <laughs> practice it, you forget it. You know. I'm glad okay. I'm making you laugh. All right. Uh, last one. The last one. I have two here. I don't know which one. I Well, we already talked about it because I think that's our next movie night, Casablanca. Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Which you seen haven't it. seen. No. Which is a classic. I remember the part of that in the Disney ride. What What is it in the, the Disney? The great movie adventure ride. Oh, okay. Oh, I forgot you haven't been to Disney in like... I haven't been to Disney since, since you were a baby. Yeah. That's... Cons- Honestly, you're not missing much. Mm. Because there's a there's a whole big world out there that needs exploring beyond you know Kissimmee, Florida. Yes. Or like Buena Vista. Yeah, but you've seen Avatar. I have. Okay, the Avatar land's really cool. Star Wars land, I've never been, but I've mm-hmm. heard like the pictures are great. When they build Cherry Tree Lane, maybe I'll go. Okay. What movie is that? I have no idea. Come on. Cherry Tree Lane. Come on. No, stop. Please. Izzy. Oh. Mary Poppins. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I've only seen Mary Poppins twice. Only. Only twice. Hey, yeah, it's at least you watched more than once. Yeah, exactly. It's not my favorite Julie Andrews. What's your favorite Julie Andrews movie? Princess Diaries 2. Uh, two? Yes. Wow. I didn't see the Princess Diaries until. So you've seen them? Okay, good. I have, but I, I, it must have been on a plane ride somewhere. But I, it, until long after they were released. And that's your favorite. Why the second one? The first one's mm, all right, but the Princess Diaries too. It's she's really? in Genovia. She's trying to find a man to marry, but at the end she does. She's not because uh-huh. she can be. The yeah, queen. I saw the movie. Okay, I'm just saying for people that don't know. Uh huh. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so better than the Sound of Music. Oh. Better than Mary Poppins. Yes. Wow. Favorite musical would be Sound of Music. Okay, fair enough. Favorite Disney movie. Oh, animated Disney movie. Animated. Yeah, I can tell you it's not going to be the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> I made Dizzy watch that with me. No, 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 no. We had an eight-hour drive, and fa- I told Father Manny, "I've never seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame." We were in Paris. And he's like, we "Whoa, we I'm going to download Paris. it." We were in Paris. So we're talking over each other. We we're in Paris. We're in front of Notre Dame, and she had never seen. It. I go, and I'm humming the song, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm humming the Hunchback. She no, you didn't hum the song. You actually played the song. Yeah, I did. I have oh. a video of it. Oh, that's right. I did play this song. <laughs> the song. Morning bell. in Paris, the city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and then he also made me watch Hercules. Which but you loved really, Hercules. That was a really good one. A favorite animated Disney movie, I'm going to go with Monsters, Inc. Really? I love Monsters, Inc. It's good. It's good. Not as good as The Lion King. I'm not a fan of The Lion King. <gasps> I'm sorry. Get out of the studio. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry wow. to everyone. No, I'm not talking about the recent, you know, no, abomination that was yes. made. That oh, I didn't even live watch action, that one. I didn't even know. watch that one. What's I, wrong with The Lion? It is a perfect really movie. Sad. It has biblical references, you know, prodigal son, you know, anointing, all so many things. What? It's really, it's really long. It's not even ninety minutes. It's in. It's not the memorable circle for me. Of li- Get out. Hey, the Broadway show. Oh, oh that's... Well, of course, the Broadway show, yeah. Oh, my God. You know what's better? But I, I I will concede this. Better than the Broadway, Lion King Broadway was Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. 
I never saw Beauty and the Beast. Oh, oh it's it's good. You mean you saw it here? We did a pretty good production. Oh yeah, here. But when you go, see, and it's not on Broadway anymore, no. but it's still tours. Uh, the the way they do things, it's just the, the Gaston scene is just, you know, but li- really, Lion King. I've had uh, when I used to teach eighth grade more regularly, I would have the kids watch it and write papers on it to find the biblical parallels. Sorry. Oh wow. Someone so please help me here. So disappointing. No one, there's no one walking through that door, kiddo. Gina's not walking through that door <laughs> to rescue you. Nope. No. Nope. Some it's just not memorable. So when you me. hear it's, this, it's so it's it's a good share movie. this with your your friends, Rinquenta, all your all your friends that I, that I know, all your all your friends who are your age. So you can listen to this segment. Tell them to listen to the second. No, tell them this is the first segment. Tell them to listen to this segment to say how wrong you are or how wrong I am. Okay, because. I'm going to put a poll on Instagram. Come on. I'm going to. Izzy. Izzy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you said Monsters, Inc. Before mm-hmm. 2000. I should have mentioned no. Well, Pixar is, is, is Disney, but best Pixar movie was The Incredibles. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Incredibles 2 is really good, too. But but if you say, it's my favorite, but I'm saying in terms of like scope and depth, Wally, you probably hated it. <laughs> Why? Because they don't speak for the first forty minutes of the film. There's no, there's no speaking. How'd you know I would hate it? Because you were a child when you it. saw it. No, it I was a like eight master. Or seven. It was a masterpiece oh, okay. of a film. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't re-seen, I haven't rewatched it because it, it bored me the first time to death. All right. So non Pixar films before 2000. Mm. You, I mean, so you mentioned Hercules. You mentioned, you mentioned. Uh, well, you don't like Hunchback. I don't know why you don't like Hunchback. Maybe because I was forcing you to watch it in a bus. <laughs> No air conditioning. And an iPad. It's fine. It's I was fine. back there with you there suffering with the no air conditioning. It's fine the other four hours you weren't, but it's okay. We'll go on. I've okay. moved on. Um, Aladdin. Okay, so fair that's enough. That's my favorite that's princess a good movie. One. She's my favorite princess. And he princess favorite. Jasmine? Yeah, she's my favorite princess, and he is my favorite prince. We, we're going we're gonna to do that at some point in the school. Yes. Okay. Just, you know. But, yeah, that, that that's a good one. Okay. okay Not you. Little Mermaid. Usually girls like the Little Mermaid. No, I used... Uh, that would be my second. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Part of your world, all that. Mm-hmm. So let's to recap. Dis, I mean, in terms of Disney films, Izzy does not like The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Okay, thinks Julie Andrews. Please stop best staring movie me down. Is, <laughs> thinks Julie Andrews' best movie is The Princess Diaries two. two. Yeah, and I, I just I, wasted I, everybody's time in a second segment to go welcome, over these guys. facts. I know you missed me. All right, because I don't want to talk about sports. All right. Wait, didn't you have another movie? Uh, nice. No, because I we talked about Ocean's Eleven. But you'd seen that. Yes, I've seen all of them. Yeah, but I, but that's, the that's a great, it's a great movie. They're so that's, good. That's an, all all of them. We watched. No, you watched Ocean's Eight off my iPad in the. Yes, I did. Yeah, in, in the in the bus. So I see. I I, I I'm generous. So thank you. That was what we did instead of sports, pop culture, and next time maybe our is he by the win. way. Izzy, Izzy, I will give her the credit because, and this is credit to also her parents, has a wonderful, wonderful, beyond Taylor Swift, has a wonderful taste in music. I do. Honestly. Okay, she will go Taylor back Swift, to 60s I, and 70s. Favorite, see, I was thinking about this last night. If I had to pick a favorite song of all the time, I couldn't. I, she cried last week when the Beatles released that new song, Now and Then, which was really okay. Good. It's okay. It's not it's their not, best, but it's just... When the production of making it, you see the music video, you see how they made it. it it's... I need to see the video. Oh, it's so, so good. favorite song of all time? Not Taylor Swift's song. Oh, of course not. It's either going to be by the Beatles or Frank Sinatra. Ooh. Oh. oh. It's tough, right? To, to Please, think of a song. No, no, this is way harder. There's it no, is. You can't just pick no, one you song. No, you can. You can't. Can. That's what I was thinking about last time. You can't. Because I'm thinking of Billy Joe. I'm thinking about oh, the Beatles. Oh, sh- stop. Now you're you gonna know, make me feel she's bad. She's always a woman to me, you know, just the way you that's, are. That's one of our favorite. You know, um, Piano Man, scenes from Italian Restaurant. I'm just going down. Scenes from Italian Restaurant is the best Billy Joel song. Did you ever, ever. see Moving Out uh, for the Broadway show? That was no. you, you were, that was amazing. But so, best Broadway show of all time. Go. Wicked. Wow. Okay. That was a lot of pressure. And it was also the first one that came to mind. But the, for, one, the ones I've seen. There yeah, you Wicked. Go. Wicked. So, Izzy's popular. <laughs> All right, folks. That was an exercise of futility. Thank you for joining us. And if you're still listening, we thank you. So instead God bless of sports, you. next week is our 100th episode. Woo! 
Jorge will be back. We don't know what we're doing for our 100th episode. We hope to have, obviously, our normal episode and, and go over the scriptures, but some surprises, hopefully. And uh, please tune in. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Uh, pray for your priests. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.